Hey guys, welcome to Bagging Boardcast episode number 506. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bringing you top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books that we are looking forward to coming out December 28th, 2022. We follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week, we are doing one of our Trade and Policy reviews. And this is Paul's pick. Yeah, Paul, what book you got for us today? I have the Mark Wade written in the uh, rotating art team for World's Finest from DC Comics. Uh, this first volume is actually going to be collected back uh, in March of next year, 2023. But, you know, we've all got the single issues. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just do it now. Do it live. Uh, live. Apparently we can't get, uh, we can't, couldn't do the JLA, JSA crossover uh, Virtue and Vice because that's not di- uh, available digitally. And uh, it's, I think, out of print. So. <clears throat> But I, I wanted to do that because that was JSA, J- JLA, hanging out on Thanksgiving. Okay. I th- I thought you just randomly picked that one. I th- I don't know if I still have that one or not because the whole conversation about it not being available took place like before I had a chance to check and see if I had it. Because yeah. as soon as John, you said it wasn't available anymore, I I went yeah. online to look and I'm like, oh, yeah, like this, this does not exist anymore, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, written by Jeff Johns, art by Carlos Pacheco, who we actually uh, just lost a couple months ago. Uh, fantastic comic book artist, but yeah. <laughs> if you can find that one somewhere, definitely worth picking up. Great, great I, superhero book. I think you could still find it to purchase a physical copy on Amazon. The physical copy, but it wasn't going to come in enough time. And I also didn't want to just buy it. And have mm-hmm. it shipped to me, and and then say, yeah, let's do it. You guys read it, and then it not come in time, right? So, <clears throat> but I even looked and um, checked at my comic book shop, and they didn't have a copy of it either. So, uh, yeah, on Amazon, it's available for like seventeen dollars. So, not bad. And that was published back October first, two thousand three. Wow, it's an old book. But we're not talking about that book, because we're talking about some other books. But you know how we always start the show off? Would that be Man. with drinking beer? I'm talking about yes. old books. How about some old beer? John, what you got? Uh, so I am doing a vertical lineup this episode of Lagunitas Willetized Coffee Stout Aged in Rye Oak Barrels. I have this year's, the freshest version of 2022. I have 2020, I have 2018, and 2017. I poured myself the freshest, the 2022, um, which is excellent. Uh, for 13.1%, Ooh, incredibly, man, incredibly smooth, you get a deep coffee. The, the liquid itself just kind of just coats your palate. Um, it feels so thick. It feels so thick in your mouth. Um, absolutely wonderful. Amazing to drink right now. Uh, the 2017 that I poured to kind of try the one and then try the, the other. Is really nice too. 
a lot of that deep coffee has gone, but it's still roasty. And you get a lot of the barrel. Like, it's just kind of nice, woody, oaky kind of um, taste to it. Quite excellent at 17. I probably wouldn't push this beer any farther. Um, I think where you've got, where we've, I've gone with it with 2017 being, uh, what, like, uh, four years, four years old, I think is mm-hmm. the perfect, uh, the perfect placing for it. Huh. Four years old, huh? Weird. It's five years, well, it's five, five, it's five years old. Right? It's because well, usually at that time. I, I yeah, should, yeah, 2022. Years. Yeah, you're right. I should, have, I should have six bottles in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I have four bottles in front of me. Right. My bad. I keep on forgetting. I, I, I keep on forgetting how long ago everything actually was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I wouldn't put it past. I wouldn't push past 17. Um, like eight years ago, the eighties are going to be like fifty years ago. It's it's just messing with my mind. And then, yeah, nine things that you were saying ago anymore. They're like thirty years ago. It's 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 rough. Oh yeah, the I'm drinking uh, Lawson's finest liquids, Big Hoppy. This is the black IPA that John was absolutely adoring and said, Paul. You must find and get this beer. I will be upset if you don't have it. He was getting so upset that I hadn't found it. He drove over and brought me a can. Uh, and I thank him, you know, uh, exuberantly uh, for for doing that. This is awesome. This is great. This is just nice, piney up front, and then boom, big smoke. Big smoke, smoky, roasty, toasty on the back end. This is... um. Really great. Uh, you did give it to me like three weeks ago. You know, early December. It's now late December. But, you know, it, it, today's the 21st. Uh, I got it on the 2nd, I believe, or 3rd. But I had to wait to have it on the show. Like, And it's been like Siren calling me. And we've been doing the Clown Shoes beers like this whole time. And I'm like, yeah, but I kind of want to have this. I, I want to experience this. And... Uh, from now on, Lawson's finest liquids. I'm I'm going to look for this one, uh, the Big Hoppy. Not a big fan of a lot of their stuff. Like I'd rather go with Fiddlehead for the, their uh, IPAs. But this one makes the list. This is this is the one beer from Lawson's that I'm like, okay, that's that's Lawson's beer for me. Yeah, uh, I have to say it's probably one of my favorite beers. I would put it on my. Top five favorite beers of all time that you can st- you can still get. They still make this beer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably a lot of beers that be on that list that I'd never I'd never have another chance of drinking again. And it's been so long. If I had were to have it again, would I like it? Who knows? Can I ask? <clears throat> is there any Utopias left? Yes. <laughs> okay. I I could. <laughs> We spent so much money on that, I couldn't yeah. drink it alone. I have right. shared it with people who have come over. Yeah, yeah, as you should. Yes, definitely. Uh, it still holds up. You know, it's just 
liquor. I, I did want to ask about that because I'm like, wait a second, top beers of all time. And I'm like, Utopias, man, from Dogfish. Or wait, Sam's. Sam Adams, right? Yeah. Yeah. How old is that beer now? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> we got it before my son was born, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. my son my son turns four. Uh, so it's almost as week. old as your will it eyes. <laughs> yeah. it, it could be older than the will it eyes or it could be right in the same realm. But yeah. Chris, are you drinking something uh, that a friend gave you or is really old or something that you uh, – some other beer, some other type uh, of beer? I, I guess it's some other kind of beer. Um, today I went to one of my favorite breweries here in Orlando, Ellipsis Brewing. Uh, to pick up a couple of bottles because they recently had their seven days of stouts where each day they were releasing a, um, like a pint sized bottle of a different stout, uh, all Russian Imperial stouts. Some of them, uh, barrel aged, some of them not, uh, I am not drinking these in the order that they were released. I literally just went to my case and pulled them out until I found one that I was like, oh yeah, I'll drink that tonight. Uh, and I'm starting off with Silent Hill. And this is a barrel-aged Russian stout with blueberries and white chocolate. Uh, 13.2% ABV. This is absolutely fantastic. I'm both happy and sad that I'm starting off with this one because it's going to be hard for any of the other ones to follow up on this. Uh, for those of you listening in the pre-show chatter, I was talking <clears> about like, oh, I've got a little bit of a headache tonight, feeling a little bit under the weather. I'm probably only going to have this one beer. I mean, also, it's 13.2%. I, I had a couple of drinks while we were at Disney Springs. Like, I don't need to drink anything mm-hmm. more. But after, like, cracking this one open and taking a couple sips of it, I'm like, well, now I have to see what those other ones <laughs> are able to bring. Because this is just that perfect melding of vanilla and blueberry. It's not like a like a real blueberry. It's not that earthy tartness. It's more like a candied mm-hmm. Blueberry, but it's very, 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 very good. Um, any yeah, re- so far, solid. Any reasoning why they call it Silent Hill? Um, a lot of their beers do just have like nerd or video game references. Um, this they called it Silent Hill, and it's. Uh, I was thinking Silent like, Hill. oh yeah, Paul, because blueberries play a big part in Silent <laughs> Hill video games, and I would be like, oh okay. No, sometimes I think. Just have fun names. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the other ones that they have, um, Dino Goes Nuts. Look, what I always did. knew we went Sticky out there. Bananas, I didn't know we were collecting everything and then the going buffalo. back in. I thought we were just talking in the garden. Just, Sorry. Just weird, weird names. Weird names. Yeah. No. But hey, fantastic showing to start. No, what's so, getting weird? Well, how what's how John doesn't understand that we need to go out to the new yeah, garden. That's actual, that's actual food. Of course I take it in and wash it. This is this car. We we don't even. None of us when, live in the same. When John location. makes a We're not salad, all going out there together. He goes it's out all to the imaginary. garden. Imaginary. It's not a real. Gets all thing. the vegetables, put it in, and then just eats it out outside. He doesn't bring it back inside. He doesn't. He just eats all his. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We're we're watching we're watching the news now. But uh, what's weird is the news coming out of DC Studios right now because nobody knows what's going on. We kind of 
hinted at this last week, and I thought it was all rumor, so I didn't really want to talk about it. But now Sean Gunn's come out and said things, and Patty Jenkins. James Gunn's. Who did I say? Oh, Sean Gunn. His brother. His brother is definitely. His brother's said probably things. got some things to say about it. <laughs> He's saying stuff, I'm sure. Uh, but James Gunn's <laughs> saying stuff. Uh, Patty Jenkins. Uh, Henry Dwayne Kim- Johnson. Oh, yeah, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, Henry Cavill. To, to, All the stuff. came Tim Allen there for a second, like, oh, yeah. Dwayne Johnson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Been watching the Santa Clauses, you know. There you go. See, there it is. There it is. There's the connection. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, confirmed this past week, Henry Cavill no longer appearing as <laughs> Superman, uh, in the DCU, DCEU, DC Studio U, whatever you want to wind up calling it Goodness now. Goodness gracious. Um, he put out a statement about it, just how, you know, his time as Superman has set. Uh, it was also announced like a day later he's going to be executive producing and starring in like, a Warhammer 40k mm-hmm. adaptation, which he's a big gamer nerd, so that's something else for him to work on uh, and love. But, ow, I just kicked it, kicked my desk. Ugh. I'm glad it's Warhammer 40k and not just Warhammer, because that would be a little too close to like World of Warcraft for me, or Warcraft, and I would be like, I kind of want him to be in a Warcraft thing. <laughs> hmm. I, can, I can see that. Um, but then also recently, um, Patty Jenkins did put out a statement as well saying that, yes, she has had meetings with, uh, Warner Brothers in DC. Like, they're not going forward with Wonder Woman at the moment because the studio wasn't happy with the treatment that she had put together for it, uh, which is why Rogue Squadron had fallen off the table because she was going to be focusing on Wonder Woman, but. Broke Squadron still in the works. Like they're just still pre 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 production on that. Um, it, and it also it's it seemed like she went to them with a script, and they're like, mm, no, we don't really like it. Can we? You want to work on something else? And she was like, no. Like this is what I wanted to do. Um. So uh, there was a, an article came out that said basically when she delivered the script, the studio wasn't a fan of it, and she was like. No, this is what stories are supposed to be. And then she reportedly emailed, like, the head of Warner Brothers the dictionary definition of character arc. Yeah, the Wikipedia <laughs> and, I heard, yeah. Yeah, and then that's why I was like, okay, like, let's let's take a look at maybe doing something different now. Um, but, and then also just, I think it was yesterday, Dwayne Johnson put out a thing saying, like, oh, yeah, you know what, I've had some sit downs with Peter and James, like you'll be seeing more of black Adam, but it's not going to be for a while now while they're still taking inventory. And John, I think you sent the, the statement from James Gunn. Over. Yeah. Uh, Cause one of the things I do have to say is I, what I've liked about James Gunn too, is when all these rumor things were coming out, he was like, Mm, that's not true. This is true. That's not true. Like he's been kind of forthcoming about all of that stuff. We haven't decided whether or not that's true. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm just pulling it up. Like he even came. He like on the, the tw- that Patty Jenkins Twitter like thing. He actually went to bat for her too, being like, no, she yeah. she didn't walk away. Like she was willing to work with the studio. It just it's 
just can't it's not happening right now yeah and then he like also said in there like all, all the times that we've had to like work with you on something it's been perfectly fine like yeah. it's not even like she's being combative or anything yeah because it's very uh, uh, you know it's very easy to gain a reputation in Hollywood to being difficult to work with and especially you know as a as a uh, female creator I can imagine that's uh, hard uh Brandish to to get to get rid of. So I'm glad that you know he at least went like no, she's not being you know overly combative or anything. She's she's been great to work with. It's just this isn't working or yeah. whatever. So um, so he did. He came out to say uh, one of the things Peter and I were aware of when we took the job as heads of DC Studios was a certain minority of people online. That could be, well, uproarious and unkind, to say the least. Our choices for the DCU are based upon what we believe is the best for the story and the best for the DC characters who have been around for nearly 85 years. Perhaps these choices are great, perhaps not, but they are made with sincere hearts and integrity and always with the story in mind. No one loves to be harassed or called names. But to be frank, we've been through significantly worse. Disrespectful outcry will never, ever affect our actions. We were aware there would be a period of turbulence when we took, when we took this gig, and we know we would sometimes have to make difficult and not-so-obvious choices, especially in the wake of the fracturous nature of what came before us. But this That's the part that I really liked where they're like, yeah, we, this was a disaster before we stepped in the buildings. Uh, but this means little to us in comparison to our jobs as artists and custodians in helping to create a wide and wonderful future for DC. Uh, which I thought was actually a really nice thing for him to come out and say. And it's kind of how when I heard he was taking over, like I felt the DC characters were in good hands. And James Gunn taking this position probably would have a lot of caveat against Warner Brothers having them stay out of it. And not just adding a giant spider because they wanted a giant spider in it. You know, like, if it makes sense to the character, we'll we'll take notes, but we're not going to take all your notes and put them into effect. That's how you end up with Wild Wild West. how you end up with a lot of bad movies but yeah yeah but i i don't know if we're going to continue to see him commenting on everything going forward at this point i think he's kind of said his piece and anything else coming out is just going to be him restating some of that same stuff again and uh something else we didn't even talk about but apparently uh jason momoa won't be coming back as Aquaman again after Aquaman 2, but they're looking at him for, for Lobo. Lobo. Which, is it a piece of inspired casting? Like, that makes more sense than him as Aquaman, I think. But it, it seems like we're now just kind of in, all right, we did Aquaman 2, we did Flash, but do we need to put those out? Especially because if Warner Brothers was looking to kind of shelve other things that they're like, eh, this was kind of a loss... Do, 
do you put out something like the Flash when you know you're not going to be drawing off of anything that came before and you're not going to be using it to set up anything that's coming next because it's in a weird in-between limbo space right now. Well, isn't the rumor that is that they are taking out the scenes that had like Gail Gadot, Wonder Woman, and Henry Cavill, like Superman in it, like any of the uh, Snyderverse other characters, and they're using this as the like reset button. But also, but you're also not going to have Ezra Miller popping <laughs> up and anything else again. At the end of the movie, you could have it be like he, but then undoes they were also everything he undoes the continuity of the DC universe. But do you need that? Yeah, do you need that? Or are you just say like, eh? I mean, if they're so eager to... don't need anything. Because also it was supposed to have like the Ben Affleck Batman (laughs) in it too, with the Michael Keaton Batman. It was going to be kind of like that crossing over. I would rather them just shelve these movies, take the write-offs as they're just aren't going to happen. I'd rather see and then, Batgirl than these movies. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I would agree, too. But I'd rather, you know what, take Keaton and put him as old Bruce Wayne in uh, Batman Beyond. Like, he's perfect for that. He's perfect at that age mm-hmm. now. Have have that Tim Burton neo-noir with, like, some high-rise weird science building future buildings attached to them and stuff like I'm okay with that world. Like I'm happy to see that bring back Keaton that way versus in a, a flash movie that in the end will is just going to be the butt of jokes, whether it's good or not. It wasn't good enough to save what they were doing for someone to come in and basically just reset the universe anyways. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of look at the the Black Adam movie is the same way. Like, I don't think Black Adam's going to be the butt of jokes, but I think it's going to be a case study almost of like this is what happens when you put too much work and too much thought and too much of that production time into a movie and put it out because at that point you've been working on it for fifteen years. That's all money that you put in on it, and if you're not seeing all that come back in, it's going to be considered to be a loss. So why invest that heavily in something? Especially now, also, if it's not going to be part of a larger universe, because apparently other reports coming out and rumors that The Rock was the one that was like, oh, no, I don't want this crossing over with Shazam. Like, they're tonally too different. I'm saying, okay, well, as a fan, that's something that I would have loved to like see. Because Shazam is one of the movies that worked for me. We talked about it before on the show. Like, I'm looking forward to Fury of the Gods. Like there was like potential crossovers for Black Adam at the end of that, like leading into something else. Okay, cool. Get me excited about more Black Adam. I, I feel like DC, the movies that are coming out right now are the X-Men first class X-Men, you know, those X-Men movies, they made decent money, not outstanding money, but they weren't, the Marvel Cinematic Universe either. So it feels like, yes, they're Marvel characters, but it's treading water until whatever they can do next. People liked those 
first class wave of movies, though. Greg loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has come. And, Greg, and people Greg like Shazam. Like 10 years later. People like Shazam. People like Black Adam. <coughs> right? It's like, does Black Adam, is it rotten from, like, how's it doing uh, audience-wise? Oh, I can pull it up. Uh, I enjoyed Black I, I enjoyed Black Adam for what it was. It's not a great mm-hmm. movie. It's a movie that if you really think about it, you could pull it to shreds. Right. Uh, uh, audience meter for Black Adam, 88%. Yeah. The actual like tomato meter from critics, 39%. Yeah, it's, it's not a great cinematic movie. It's not a good comic book mm-hmm. movie. But if we saw this movie 14 years ago, we probably would have been like, oh, that was a really good comic book movie. But we've had such good movies in between that that you're like, I can't believe this script made it to this point. Like, Well, that's how X, those X-Men movies kind of felt to me, too. It's like, mm, these are definitely of another age versus what they're doing over at Marvel. You know, probably. Uh, just yeah. to- to put it into perspective, to uh, Black Adam so far has made about four hundred million dollars worldwide on a budget of almost two hundred million. So it's basically just breaking even now, because production. Yeah, because it doesn't. Because you think well, they always double the production with the um, advertising, advertising, marketing, yeah, marketing. Thank you. Um, yeah, hopefully it, it actually makes and some money. It, it would be one thing. Okay, if it did break even, like going with that math and saying, okay, like, mm-hmm. hey, it did what it was supposed to do. If there's not enough there, though, if people didn't love it enough mm-hmm. to be like, all right, Black Adam 2, like, here we go. Why why put forth that effort? Like, mm-hmm. Why even try it? It's just like, uh, it did enough to do what it needed to do to be semi-profitable, if profitable at all. And they just put it up on uh, HBO Max. Right. So, yeah. I think yeah, I think DC right now suffer is going to suffer from just like how Pixar, I think, suffers from the I'll just wait for streaming. You know, like, yeah. it's it's coming to streaming so quick that, and even the Marvel movies now, like, I didn't get out to see Doctor Strange. I wanted to. Uh, but I'm like, by the time I was ready to go see it in the theaters, it was like a week or so out until it was going to be on Disney+. Plus. Same with uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. Like, oh yeah, that's out now. I can, oh, I got some free time. Maybe I'll go see it. Uh, I, I can wait three more weeks. If I don't see it opening weekend, then I might as well just wait. Because I'm not going to dodge the spoilers for that long, much longer after opening weekend, anyways. I, I've been able to dodge all the spoilers for uh, Wakanda Forever hmm. because it, we haven't got, been able to get out to see it. And same thing, we hit that point where I'm like, matter of weeks, it's going to be yeah. on. Uh, same thing with Love and Thunder. Like, I didn't get out to the theaters for that. Um, I, I'm, I, was I was happy about that one. I, I enjoyed it. I had. I have nothing bad to say about that movie. It's I it's can't not wait until the retrospective. <laughs> I, I like it's, it's not, not a good one. I don't know. I had fun with it. Like I I did not. I, I'm happy you had fun. There wasn't anything I was expecting or wanting out of that. I think I would have enjoyed a little more Christian Bale. I wanted a lot more of him. <laughs> yeah, but 
at the same time, I think he was used sparingly and perfectly for for the story that they were going to tell. So I have um, no, I have not. I I thought it was fun. Like I I, I put it a little bit below uh, Ragnarok. I I, I agree. I also put it below Ragnarok. <laughs> I haven't considered where it falls on my list because I'm trying to save. Yeah, that thought process for when we get there. Um, because there's a lot of stuff to talk about before we get there, but um, yeah, it's kind of went on for a little bit long because this is a big discussion, and I think James Gunn and Peter Safran are at the point now where they realize like some of the stuff that we've already done and worked on, like it's going to have to be a loss. Like we're going to have to just mm-hmm. suck it up and put it out as it is, and say like, hey, we know we got we got more coming out later, or Warner Brothers is just going to have to like shelve it completely, like they did with Batgirl, and it's. I think they might just want to put it out just to get whatever they can back from it. Not, but again, I don't know how much they would get back in like those tax credits for yeah. completely like cut and running. But uh, it's going to be a while, I think, before we get to like the new DCU once they start getting things like put into pre-production and production and then start releasing it. Like, I don't think we're going to have like an actual DC universe movie again after like Shazam, um, Aquaman. And if they put flash out until maybe like 2025, 2026, I'm guessing. Well, you're going to have the Joker too, which, but that's not like DC. Mm -hmm. Like same thing, like, but DC, but they'll do Batman. Warner brothers. They're not going to have like, Big. Ten, yeah, yeah, but they are going to be putting out DC character movies. They have at least this year and next year, and then probably following that, uh, or 2023 into 2024, and then probably that new wave of their movies will start probably mid or late 2024 going into 2025, like you said, Chris. <coughs> yeah. They have, what, three things ready to go right now that they could just they can put or if you count about Batgirl you know they just yeah they could sit yeah so but yeah what else do we have for news uh other thing that I had brought to the table from the news garden and I grabbed it in my bushel and I brought it into the the Mm -hmm. table to the table Uh, you bring it to the table so then we all, so we all have Sandman our own too. individual gar- gardens then? Yeah, we all have our own little, like, like cornucopias that were coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sandman 2, well confirmed previously, they have now given a little bit more information that <clears throat> instead of coming out as, like, a full season, it's going to be released in almost, like, batches. So I'm kind of looking at this almost like they did with Stranger Things Season 4, where they put out, like, the bulk of it, but then they had, like, the, like, the finale came out separately. And then even, like... Sandman, where they put out the entire season, but then after that, they put out that other, like, double episode. Um, I think they're learning, like, hey, we need to keep people coming back. And if we're just dumping all this content out there at once, people binge it, and then they're gone. Paul Paul just, like, hey. (laughs) That's me. Thumbs to myself. Uh, Uh, Once Stranger Things all set and done, okay, I'm going to subscribe for the month, watch Stranger Things, watch some other stuff, and then... Gone again from Netflix. It's thirteen ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine. It's too much, too much for a streaming service. When 
I can get stuff for, you know, the whole year for $20, $30 for the whole year, you know, during Black Friday deals. Like, it's it's too much. No, I'm okay with, like, week-to-week release and watching. I would be okay with putting out in the batches. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's fine. Like, because what I've noticed is if they do, like, a whole content drop, I have to force myself to pace it out a little bit more. Um because if it is something that I just want to watch, I will sit there and watch it, and then the next day I have forgotten everything about it. It's so insane to me that Netflix didn't learn this lesson because there was a clash accident in lawsuit against them for slowing down DVD rentals. Back when they first started, and they you would make your list on their website of what DVDs you wanted to get from them, not even Blu-rays because Blu-rays weren't a thing yet, uh, you'd be put in the queue to be thinking like, oh, the next one, it's just going to come as soon as we get back and then we'll mail it to you. They got it. There was a clash action lawsuit because if you were just constantly turning, like you were going, getting through, mailing back your DVD and getting a new one, getting a new one, you're, you would be put in the queue to get your next movie at the very last. Like you would constantly be the last up to get that next movie. Um, you were slowed down. So it seems insane to me that Netflix never learned that lesson. Like, hey, if we're going to make money, we got to slow down the people that binge content quickly. <laughs> like, it, it, that was the lesson they learned during the DVD during, when they were doing DVD rentals. Well, you think too that is it just hubris that you wouldn't look at like week to week? Everybody's talking about. These Star Wars shows, they're talking about these Marvel shows because they have that whole week to talk about it, waiting for the next one. You think three years of them doing that, that you would go, oh, maybe we should do that. Yeah, I think that I can I can almost understand doing the whole like, hey, we're going to drop every episode now because they just needed the content. Back in the day, like when, because when uh, when uh, Netflix like streaming kind of like well at one time stars, at one time you were trying library. you were trying to beat TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can watch your whole season. You want to watch your whole show now? Watch it now. Yeah, but that was stuff that was already produced and out, and it was reruns. And like what this is now, they're not just doing Lilyhammer anymore. Like they're producing a yeah. lot more shows. It, the the a times lot more frequently. The times have changed. They got that customer, and now they need to to keep the customer. I'm. I just realized I'm literally wearing a Stranger Things tie dye shirt right now. Um, I don't. Know, I. I don't. You never want to see like an entertainment company fail. Like you always want them to succeed, so they can keep bringing good content to your screen. Um, it, it seemed like they were making all the wrong steps for a while there, but I think this is one of the right ones. I think keep people interested because then it's almost like a pseudo binge. Like you can watch that whole yeah. cluster of episodes that they're putting out, talk about it, work, school, friends, and then you get hyped up when you know a month later they release that second batch. I think uh, I think this might be the way to go for them because it's yeah. kind of the best of both worlds. In Sandman, it would be like reading a trade. You read that yeah. trade, and then you go, oh, "I got to go get the next one." Yeah, and uh, I think Fear Street worked out pretty well for them, right? Like that 
Halloween series where it was yeah, like it was a like movie three different movies. Week. Yeah, yeah, which I haven't watched, but I heard good things about it. I just didn't check it out yet. I started the the first <clears throat> series of it. Hmm. Nice. Is that uh, news? Uh, other thing I had just because I think it is worth mentioning because a lot of people are very excited for this. Uh, we got the release of the Barbie teaser trailer. Yeah, it, which it's Planet of the Apes meets yeah. Barbie. Cute. <laughs> I thought I thought it looked it was kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Yanni was super excited for it. Like as soon as like I got home that day, I was like, "Oh, did you see they put this out?" And she's like, "Yes, you want to go see it?" And I was like, oh, "I haven't watched it yet." And like I, we watched, it, I'm like, "All right, I'm sure it'll be fun." I'm so, hoping it's kind of like self aware because there's not a lot to go off of from the trailer. Like, <laughs> don't, don't know what the plot is. Simu Liu's in it, which is fine. <laughs> like. He's got like a dance number. All right, it's yeah, my attention because it's like the trailer makes you think that it's oh we're talking about the toy being released yet the toy is a person in the movie so I don't yeah I don't know where they're going with it. Um, it's what Greta Gerwig is the writer director. Ah uh, yes, Greta Gerwig. So maybe it'll be great. I don't know. I, I don't know what to think about it. And you know what else might be great? The books that we're getting. My, next well, I was going to say my, ne- my next beer because it's... Oh, oh go ahead. I'm going to wait on my next beer. I'm still working uh, on this. Track. Yeah. Um, my next beer, again, part of the seven days of stouts. This is the Sticky Bananas. Um, I have the bottle over on the counter, so I don't have access to it. So I'm going to type it in real quick. Um, just on the nose, it's it's like that candy banana runts or like banana Laffy Taffy smell. Um, but man, it is all just like that nice, sweet candied banana and then that caramel on the back end. Um, I, I really like this one too. I like the Silent Hill more. Um, but I just want to see what this one is ABV because this one doesn't have as much of a... Like an alcohol burn to it, so I think this is just a regular stout with the caramel bananas. But I will, I will update you shortly. John, what did, what did you have next on your uh, vertical? So I have the 2018 Willetized Coffee Stout. Um, the 17 and this are both 12.9 percent. Um, and this guy doesn't hold up. None of the flavors that I got from the first one. Um, it's very sharp alcohol on the nose. And it's just kind of like nothing is there. It's almost like a it's a ghost of itself. And this is a bomber bottle of it, too. Like, I, I have two of these. So I have a second one that's just not up to snuff. Um, I might you look into maybe using that to for cooking or something. Um, you do like a stew. Yeah, like a stew, something. Um, <coughs> but yeah, sadly, just uh, doesn't doesn't hold up to to the 2017. Uh, but doesn't hold up to the 2022. Um, and right now, it's just kind of like uh, these don't need to age. Like when I have maybe the 2020, we'll we'll see if there's something different. But the 2022 is just 
excellent for what it is for an eleven ninety nine. Was it fourteen ninety nine? Maybe it was fourteen. It was fourteen ninety nine. Uh, four pack, uh, and the twenty twenty two is thirteen point one percent. Like, it's a steal. It's cheaper than um, New Holland uh, Dragon Milk, and it's uh, and I did check it. This one is also 13, 13.2%. Also, it is not barrel aged. Only so I don't know why I drink so much of that. Because um, I'm drinking. Hey, you, <laughs> drinking for you, you got it finished. <laughs> but it's 2022 is excellent. <clears throat> what else is that excellent? The books that are coming out December 28th? 2022? The last comic book released of 2022, guys. We made it. And guess what? Kal El has made it back to Earth in Action Comics uh, 1050. That's right. I'm picking Action Comics 1050. Uh, Dark Crisis is over, and we're getting Kal El back on Earth in Action Comics. It's no longer son of Kal El, it's Superman himself. So. Uh, and it's going to be setting up a big fight between him and Lex Luthor. So, you know, just getting back to the roots, getting back, getting to back to things, you know, uh, $6, pretty steep, but it's a 48 page book. Uh, a lot of writers on it. It's got Tom Taylor, Joshua, uh, Joshua Williamson, Philip Kennedy Johnson. We got Clayton and Henry on art. We got Nick Dragota on art. We got Mike Perkins. We got Perkins here. On art, so hopefully it's worth the six dollars. Um, cover looks really cool, and it says a new era rises. So you know I'm in. It's, a new, it's almost like a new number one for you, yeah. Paul. Yeah. <coughs> You're only jumping in, you know, one thousand and fifty. Yeah, but it's a new era. New era. It's a brand new era. This is when it gets good. <coughs> uh. I'm also looking forward to a new era of uh, of characters, and this is uh, spinning out of a Sandman book. Uh, and this is the Dead Boy Detectives number one. The Dead Boy Detectives previously had a mini series that came out maybe like a decade ago. Uh, I clicked that one was actually written by Ed Brubaker. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, uh, but the Dead Boy Detectives it takes place after spoilers for Sandman. Um, when Lucifer abandons hell and locks the doors, the dead have nowhere to go, so they just start wandering around on the earth. And the main story focused on a kid at an all-boys boarding school who's stuck there uh, over the holidays with all of the dead students that are there, like, haunting the school. And he makes uh, friends with one of them. And the two of them just go off and decide, hey, we're friends, let's solve mysteries. Uh, and that's the Dead Boy Detectives. And we got a new number one coming out from over at DC Comics. Uh, this one written by Prinsak Pinchote. I'm not sure how to pronounce the word. I'm sorry. Uh, he previously wrote The Good Asian, which, John, I think you picked for one of your... Yeah, uh, we were going to do uh, that for my last trade-in policy, but we bumped it for whatever we did. Black Sad? Don't remember. We, we Black Sad, yeah, that yeah. was it. Um, so it, we, uh, it then, should be my, this coming this coming round, it'll be my pick again. 
Nice. And then art by uh, Jeff Stokely. And I'm always excited to get more Sandman stuff. I especially love when they bring out some of these deep dive characters from the Sandman universe to kind of have their own special miniseries or one shots. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this one. John, what you got? Uh, so I'm going to be picking up the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers slash Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number two, number one. Uh, this comes out on my son's birthday, and this book uh, my son will absolutely love because he loves the Power Rangers and he loves Ninja Turtles. Uh, what is really kind of fun about this is uh, the longtime Power Rangers architect Ryan Parrott is writing it with superstar artist Dan Mora, uh, who we will talk about in uh, World's yeah. Finest. Um, but this is just kind of a fun book to to have and read with my son, uh, whose birthday is the 28th and shares it with Stan Lee. Oh. Uh, so remember, you go- people, you can send us Patreon uh, money <laughs> for uh, the kid's birthday over at uh, give us GoFundMe. Dot, I, I don't know. <laughs> give us GoFundMe. Uh, John, do you pick up the first volume of this to get all the story, or do you just... Like no, it's Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna no, I'm gonna no. pull it and just uh, pick it up. Uh, jump right jump in. Right in. Uh, it doesn't matter right now if it when I read this to my son. If I'm like eh, maybe we should get the first volume, I pick it up. Uh, but mm-hmm. right now, this is just one that we're, if I take him to the comic book store on his birthday, uh, he's gonna be like what. And he's going to love it. And there's a lot of cool covers. I guess I, there's a lot of cool covers. I'm going through looking at them right now. There's like a triptych covers. Like it's all the Power Rangers with like a, a turtle by Dan Mora uh, that look awesome. There's like a Franco Francovilla cover where it's the Ninja Turtles, but they're dressed as the Power Rangers. It looks awesome. Uh Sometimes these pop culture mashup books are kind of fun. Sometimes they're not. So I, you let us know how it is. Yeah, um, yeah. The Francovella one is pro- was the cover I'd want to get, or it would be the um, the Zord, uh, the big, you know, the combination of all the the guys fighting a giant Bebop and Rocksteady as the turtles look on. Like it's such a fucking cool cover. I'm thinking. That one. It's a good one. one. Uh, So, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. You know what else is cool, cool, cool? Dramatic readings. And now, a dramatic reading from Obi-Wan and Anakin, number three, page 21, panel one. Kazoom! That was a dramatic reading from Obi-Wan and Pardon me, sir. To be continued. (laughs) Number three, page 21, panel one. (coughs) Yeah. I got ready. I I just wanted to listen to that story. (laughs) Like I was a young John refusing to raise my hand. It's a story of my childhood. (laughs) (laughs) It's a story of your childhood. 
I just want to listen to the story. I don't care about Leo the Lion and all the L's he does. Screw that dude. So, so Paul, you ready to go for your uh, next beer yet? Or are you going yeah. to sit I have, on it uh, until we uh, go through? I, I have Great Lakes. Uh, this is their Christmas ale. This is uh, the reason for the season. Some might say that, you know, it's uh, Jesus being born. I'm like, no. That that dude died like 2,000 years ago. Screw him. Uh, this is this is the reason. You, you give me ales with, like, spices and honey and orange peel, cinnamon. Uh, this is what I look for when I'm celebrating Christmas. And, you know, it's 7.5%. Holds up that the spices just come through. It's easy to drink. Um, the Great Lakes Christmas Ale has become my go-to Christmas Ale. Um, if I'm feeling like I want a little bit higher ABV, I do like the uh, Mad Elf. Because that's just pure cherry and delicious cherry and honey and uh, spices. So those are my two. Like... If you come over near the holidays to my house, I'm going to have either Great Lakes Christmas Ale or Trogs Mad Elf. Uh, usually both in the fridge during this time of year. So there it is. Chris, you, you still sipping on there? <coughs> yeah, I think the, um, the sticky bananas is going to carry me through the rest of the night. Because um, I still have a half a bottle of this and I still have a half bottle of the Silent Hill that I'm... Uh, I'm not gonna rush it. Yeah. So if I if I finish them, cool. If not, um, hey, they might be Russian Imperial ales, but that doesn't hey. mean you need to be Russian to enjoy exactly. Them. Yeah. So uh, I have another uh, Lagana- Lagunitas uh, Willetize, the 2022, and this uh, it's it's strange. It's a lot of lackluster. Like twenty twenty did not did not hold up. Um, and I keep like, oh, did I did I just blow my palate out drinking all of these? And I go back to two thousand seventeen, and I'm like, nope, two thousand seventeen, like oaky, roasty. And I keep going back to twenty twenty two, and I'm like, oh no, twenty twenty two still tastes fantastic, but. Sadly, 2020 is not is not great, and all this is telling me is uh, stop aging beers. <laughs> um, drink it now. Like 2022 is fantastic, and maybe next year that 2018 will come back around. I doubt it. Like I have, I'm glad that the Lagunitas Willetized aren't expensive and they never were even this one at 1499 is is a steal but all those beers that i have sitting back there that i've been aging some of them longer than i should have like it almost feels like i've just just been a waste uh when they don't hold up to what they originally were and i tell people now try the beer and then is it too boozy like what do you want it to lose what is it what are you hoping to gain when you age it mm-hmm. because if you're looking for maybe some of that booziness to come off of it 
Great Lakes, or not Great Lakes, um, Goose Island, Bourbon County, I always find is a little too boozy. Like, I think that beer needs about a year in the bottle. Sometimes we've had it, we've had them fresher and they're absolutely delicious, especially when they add all those adjuncts to them. Um, but it kind of makes more sense to just kind of drink them, drink them fresh. Um, you know, the dog fish had always, those always taste a little bit better. Uh, the 120 and, and the, the other bigger beers they do, they always taste a little bit better with some age on them, but sometimes they don't like, it's just, uh, just feels like it's a, Sometimes it's a lose-lose situation yeah. when you age. So you're so no longer a seller, right? The risk. I say that, but I have, like, shelves of of beer behind me. I decided, like, you know, I mentioned it, like, a couple days ago. Like, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to open up this older beer. Because I kind of, like, I keep on missing my opportunities to open up these beers. Like, the Christmas party I just had. I'm like, oh, I, that's the time that I wanted to open up. You know, some of the older beers, but everybody was already drinking and we have the cocktails and we have the, you know, beer that people bring. So I didn't crack them open. So uh, I actually busted out the one beer that I got from Great Lakes over in Ontario, Canada, John, during uh, your bachelor party. So so held up seven, it was still seven years old, seven years old was not what did it was like on the verge of ter- turning teriyaki soy saucy. Like I could, I could hear the whispers of it down the road. I mean, se- uh, seven year, uh, seven years—that's pretty big. Yeah, it it, it it was decent. It was good. I was happy to drink it. I wasn't getting because sometimes, like when things start turning, you're just like, well. I spent all this time on having it down in the basement, you know, storing it. I'm going to get through it. That one, I was like, no, this is good. Like, Kate and I played some board games. We watched some Christmas movies in the background. Like, it was a good time. Yeah. Uh, I think the next, I mean, look look at, uh, heads up for our look uh, forward to the new year, because it's going to be me going, uh, my new beer resolution is, uh, drinking all the beers in my cellar, and you're going to have to listen to me do it. Right. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. But you know what? New beers, new books. So why don't we talk about? I think what's kind of become one of our favorite books with this past year, uh, with Paul's trading policy pick for the main topic. Paul, you want to you want to set it up? Yeah, this is uh, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, Volume 1, The Devil, Neza. Uh, this is, will be a hardcover coming out on March 7th, 2023. Uh, we just bought the single issues because, you know, we're not going to wait that long. Uh, this has, it, the uh, writer is, of course, Mark Wade. Uh, Dan Mora does the art on, the I think, the first issue and then it's like i think it's a different artist almost every issue right like i think no i'm pretty sure he i does think he does all, all of them, them. Uh, is it it just seems like there's a different style that happens but my bad then dan mora on art um i thought so that gives you something that i feel uh is a minus from it because i thought the art was inconsistent but um the story 
crazy. It's uh, Batman and Superman, Superman teaming up because a uh, ancient Asian, like kind, think think of Genghis Khan, but if he had like supernatural powers, and is is uh, release finds a way out of his tomb and is now in the mod, and you know in the present day, um, possessing uh, both villains and superheroes alike to regain his empire in order to take over the known world. Yes, what did he what did you guys think about the story overall? I love this story. This is one of my favorite books of the year. Um, I love how this draws off of everything you know and love about not just these characters, Batman and Superman, but their circle of friends and family, because you have like Robin and Supergirl appearing in this first arc. Um, just other weird, random characters and villains that Mark Wade's like, hey, you know what? Be fun to throw into the back of this Doom Patrol. Why not? Oh, who's who's the villain going to be in this next issue? Oh, let's have it be uh, the Key and the Joker. Uh, that, that happens later on in the series. I think you heard us talk about that. Was that number six? Uh, no, was that like no, number nine. That was, I think, a more nine. recent yeah. one. Yeah. Okay, but it's. This whole series is a love letter to just how fun comics can be, even if they're focused on superheroes and setting up what is going to be like a major crossover arc. Because this is actually what Batman versus Robin is spinning out of this story arc here. That's yeah. Uh, I I also love it. Um, I'm not up to date with um with it right now i think the latest issue just came out and i haven't had a chance to buy it um actually the last maybe the last two uh but i've um i've I've, i mean we've been gushing about this book all since since it's been coming out like almost all year because it's um like nine issues ten issues in uh but this book is uh it's fantastic, and I—I I have to say, Paul, I like—I thought the art was pretty consistent all the way through. I think Dan Mora might have had a little more time to put a lot of detail into issue one, and then maybe had to work a little faster for the rest of the books. Um, but I thought all his art held up, um, held up really good. Uh, yeah, and also like. When you're reading it and you see those silhouette of those characters in the background, and then as the story progresses and you're like, what, ancient Genghis Khan devil guy? Okay, like, I thought I, I thought it could be this. So you see those horns and you're like, is it Mag- Magog? Like, is it some of the, some character like that? Uh, and yeah, it's fun. It's fun when you see the Flash. You, It's fun when you see... Green Lantern, like all Felix Faust, like all those characters, like kind of showing up is uh, is fun, and like I'm surprised that Billy Batson was there and he didn't get any Shazam. Um, but yeah, the the book the book works really great, and I love uh, the Superman Batman Green Lantern amalgam. Like I think that suit looks so cool. 
I love that he's like got the green laser hands. He's still got Superman power, but his heat vision is coming out green. Like, I just think it it just works. I really like it. I love I I, I I love the book. I really enjoy this book because um, there's a an economy of storytelling that lets you know where you are in the continuity of this story. It's at the very beginning, uh, the Daily Planet's getting evacuated. And they're like, everybody's accounted for, Chief. Because, oh, well, Perry Perry White is still called Chief. All right, we're in that kind of time frame. Lois Lane, still working there at the Daily Planet with Jimmy Olsen. He's Superman's best friend. He's going out to help Superman. That all happens. But also, Lois is like, everybody's accounted for except for Clark. Where's Clark? And you, in, in that same panel, you see the, like, shirt and tie right. and... <laughs> yeah, the red and blue streak of Superman leaving the, you know, the Daily Planet. So, oh, okay, that's exactly the time frame we're in right now. And then later on, you get this great two-page story. I don't know, it's, I read it digitally, but I'm assuming it's a two-page story that sets up the friendship between Batman and Superman when he's like saving Robin from the Penguin. It's it sets up everything you need to know about their character dynamic, why Batman would, like, hey, we're best friends now. <laughs> like, <laughs> you did me a solid, I'm going to do you a solid, you know, no questions asked. And that's what I want out of continuity. When I'm talking about comics continuity, I just want things to make sense for the story that I'm reading at that time. I don't need it bogged down by years and years. Just tell me where I'm at. Tell me where these characters are. And Mark Wade does an exquisite, expert, god-tier level job at that in that first issue by giving you everything you need to know, where you are, what what the relationships with all these characters are. Um, And then he does it again later on when Supergirl shows up and he's fighting and she's fighting with uh, Robin and Robin's fighting with her. And we don't get a flashback like story, but we know that maybe they were on a date. <laughs> maybe they were like bringing on a villain. Maybe both things happened. Then all of a sudden, like, oh yeah, probably both of those things happened. And it's just wonderful. And then uh, later and there's on, a, you realize there's they- just sorry to interrupt you. Great throwaway line. So pants? Yeah, I'm trying something out. <laughs> I'm trying something new. <laughs> But there was I, about, I would like, love waitress just, and like being nice to her, and he's like, I was just being nice to the waitress, and like, I don't know. I would but, love a book of just those too. Um, yeah, written by Mark Wade. Written by Mark Wade. Like, there's just great interplay, and I feel like that's a mashup that we haven't seen a lot of in like current comics that we should like. It's it's fun. Like, we don't... In the first five issues, we don't know which Robin it is. Like, you can... Like, with him being flirty and maybe have gone out on a date with Supergirl, you kind of assume it's Dick Grayson because he's the only guy that could pull that. He's the only Robin that could kind of pull that kind of off to get a date with Supergirl. But when you see the pants, I immediately was thinking it was mm-hmm. Tim. And then see, when I was... When I was when, I was rereading all of these, I said, oh, it's... It has to be Dick because you get issue six where he's back in time at the circus. Mm-hmm. So it's it's got to be. Right. Well, and then even in this, when they're having like that kind of 
like a little argument. She asked, like, were you raised in a circus? Like, yeah. there's there's little lines there to kind of like feed into it. But yeah, it's that masterful storytelling where he gives you exactly what you need to know about the relationship within like two or three panels. Like it's he takes no time to tell you where you're at to to give you the milestones to let you know where you're at, and then he doesn't waste time with some of the BS stuff that I could spin out on as a comic book reader. Supergirl's flying Robin into a time vortex or time crack or whatever. Why is that there? How did that happen? Can anybody fly through it? Or is it only the supers? Like, is it only Superman? It doesn't matter. The story's happening. Just be like, just be like Robin and Batman and just like be held by the armpits and let Mark Wade, AKA Superman, like carry you through. I do I like that. There, like an issue later, there's that moment where Superman's like flying with Batman, like holding him the exact same way, like like a baby whose diaper needs to be changed, and just <laughs> yeah. like flying th- uh, over the city. Or uh, Dick Grayson's got his arms folded and is like standing straight, like super pouty while he's being flown by her. Yeah, because that's like that's the thing, right? Like if you're a superhero. And some and another superhero has to fly you. Would you have that conversation about like, well, firemen's carry? Am I riding on your back? I would totally um, be like, like, I'm going to ride on your back because even though, yeah, even but though, the person that's flying though, you is not going to want that. Thing, even though they're holding you, like they're super strong, it doesn't mm-hmm. affect them. All of your weight is then you're dangling from your armpits <laughs> while they're flying right. you. Ah, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. Uh, what, there was a comic book that had that discussion in it. I don't remember which one it was, but someone... I th- it might have been Invincible, where it was basically like... Like, Fireman Carry, like, piggyback, like, how do you want to do this? <laughs> I think it might have been Invincible. I'm not going to go through and look for it. I think it was a Flash issue. Maybe. Because it was like the Flash carrying somebody out. Like, how do you want to do this? Like, Possibly. But, um, <laughs> like I would, like if I was a flyer, I would definitely not be like, no, y- y- no, I'm not giving you a piggyback ride, because that, dude, I'm the one doing the work here. <laughs> you can't look like you're riding me like I'm some sort of. Uh, it would probably be easier though. Beast of burden. Yeah, and then you have your hands free at least. Yeah, not but then I got to worry about you falling off, and I got to keep balance. But what are- <laughs> versus like. Boom! If I'm holding you, I'm in control. But wh- like I can so you're, be here. I can. Move you're you flying down. Batman. You're holding him by the pits. You you yeah. land. Do you smell him? No. To give a little. I'm not. What uh, what's her name? Superstar Molly. Uh, what is that? Brute. Bruce, you wear brute. Speed stick. Lady speed stick, man. <laughs> I, f- I feel like if you're Superman, you wouldn't need to smell your hand, though. Because yeah, yeah, you would just, you would smell know. it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. You mean because he's listening for a, f- he's listening for a fourth uh, heartbeat to throw a batarang? Uh, the, <laughs> like you're saying, Paul, like you're just breaking it down to just Mark Wade is, I think hands down, just one of the best 
comic book writers because he makes the books fun. Mm-hmm. Like you think about you think about where Daredevil was before his run and it was dark and it was gritty and I really enjoyed the Ed Brubaker take but it was just like a breath of fresh air when he took over Daredevil and it was just fun. Mm-hmm. And he just has a way of finding the right artist for whatever book he is doing. Like, this book is great, but I don't think this book would be as good if it was Chris Somney on it. Right. As much as those two do good, and I think he's a great artist, this book needs an artist like Dan Mora because he just draws those characters and they just – the coloring and everything that just works so good to tell the story – and also just that world's finest banner on the front. Like, it just looks superb. It fits the tone of the book. It just works with everything. Yeah, you got the bat symbol in the W. You got the Superman symbol inside the E. Um, yeah. Though I would like to see, like, two artists, like, team up in such a way where, like, hey, I'm drawing Batman in this panel and you're drawing Superman. And, like... Chris Omni's drawing oh, Batman in the shadow and Superman's like just out there in the light. Like I don't think we're there yet with the ability to pay the artists in that way, <laughs> such a way, but that would be amazing. Like if I was going to like pay for a commission, it would be like that kind of thing where it's like two artists, one person has half the page, the other person has the other half the page to do like that kind of a dynamic where it's Batman all in shadow and then another character like all in light. Uh, we get that with Green Lantern <laughs> showing up. At a you're at a you're at a comic book convention, you have your sketchbook, Dan Moore is there, reasonable price. Who do you get him to draw in your sketchbook? Mm. You know what? It might it might be it might be Robot Man. Really? Yeah, oh. it's just a weird. Char- it's a character that I don't have in my sketchbook already. Um, he does a cool like version of him. Um, not that I'm a big fan of Robot the Doom Patrol or Robot Man, but from this book, like that or Supergirl. Supergirl. I was gonna say I did like his Supergirl. I don't have a Supergirl, but. Yeah. I also don't Supergirl, have Superman, I don't and I think he does the he does a great Superman. Like it's everything that you'd expect. And much like Mark Wade is knocking out like the iconic versions of writing these characters, I think Dan Moore is doing the iconic versions of like what these characters look like because all their costumes are like a little bit different from like, Robin, Supergirl, Batman, Superman. Like they're all so reminiscent of what you know, but there's just like tiny little tweaks to it like even like batman like the logo it's the yellow oval but mm-hmm. like the bat has feet and in an interview dan moore was like oh yeah i really liked that the batman movie mm-hmm. like logo had had little feet hanging off the batman because they want to make it a different silhouette i i went with that i i like those choices that he's making yeah, Paul, I, I thought Negative Man would be a fun one, like Negative Man coming out of uh, yeah. uh trainer there. So, yeah, I thought that would be cool. But, yeah, like Superman would be good, Supergirl. They just, everything, they all just look good. Like, 
you see Billy Batson, but seeing him do uh, Shazam would be a cool one. Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the uh, was it Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths? Like the final issue was coming out this week. Dan Mora did like four or five of the variant covers for it, and each one of the covers has like multiple characters on it. Like one of them will have like Batman and Superman. One has Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Um, so you can use that to kind of strengthen your your catalog of who you want him to draw. There's like one that's like uh, Flash and Green Lantern. All fantastic. And even the Dan Mora covers for like, John, your book for this week, he just does fantastic work. Like yeah. over on um, a lot of the Bat books right now, he's doing kind of like throwback Robin covers where it's like Dick Grayson like with one of the other Robins, but it's reminiscent of an older Robin comic book cover. Like you can see like what it's based after. Love it. Like fantastic. You can't see it because yeah. of the light, but it's uh yeah, he does a uh, Captain it's Adam. On Nightwing and Shazam. Yeah. yeah. Or Captain, Captain uh, Adam. Uh, Shazam. Captain Marvel. Fantastic artist. I think this book is absolutely great. And I mean, spoilers for what's coming after this arc. Like, mm-hmm it's continuing to kind of still pull on those same threads. Like this isn't just like, Oh, they, they captured it in this first arc. Like, no, like the next like arc has been just as good. Like, and we already talked about that. The number six issue, I think it is where it's like Dick back in time, like solving the mystery at the circus. Fantastic. I think (coughs) there, there are definitely threads that you could there loose things that you could pull on as a comic book fan if you want to be like nit- nitpicky about everything you know I could definitely pull at the like well why is the time cracks there oh why is well if Batman met him at this point why is he still Dick Grayson and blah blah you know but if you just, just let it go and just enjoy the story and just have this be out of continuity book then just and just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. And I kind of wish this is where DC was right now. Like, just give me good stories. Well, which I think it does also bear, like, discussing Batman versus Robin right now. Because that series is spinning out of this book as well as the Robin series that had been coming out with Robin on Lazarus Island. And I think what Mark Wade is doing over in Batman versus Robin is very similar to world's finest, except it is treated a little bit more seriously. Like it's not the idealized perfect versions of these characters being the icons. That one does seem a little bit more entrenched in continuity. And I think it speaks to his skill as a writer that he can still do both of those books and have them stand on their own, but still have that tie together. Is anyone else reading Batman versus Robin no. or just the first? Okay. I, I know I, we did like the first one. I um, just haven't gotten around to reading them. Okay. Every time I've gone to the store to buy them, they've been out. So it's like, oh, I just got to pick them up in um, comics or in on Comicsology. But I want to because you got fucking Batman running around with uh, Doctor Fate's helmet on. Like, yeah, it's just it just looks fucking badass and. It's- uh, it's a good counterpart, but again, like that is like the 
the continuity book. Like, that's the one that came from something and will be setting up the next thing. I well, if it. you think we can set up the next thing, let us know. This is the kind of comic books that I want uh, you listeners to let us know that are coming out. Uh, email us, bagnumboardcast at gmail.com. Let us know when we post a story over at Instagram or any of our other socials. Like, you're like, hey, listen to your last episode. And you're totally wrong, Paula. Totally waiting for that. I, I, I understand that. And uh, I appreciate it. Let me know. Merry Christmas. <laughs>